you have to be called for this. You can't just volunteer. I don't want to stand by like King David's brother stood by and watch Goliath disrespect God and his people. Moses was involved in politics. Nehemiah was in politics. The Lord Jesus Christ is a gentleman who tried to cut you down in your infancy. God told Jeremiah that I knew you before conception. Only the diehard will make it. Patriotic Americans, uh, we are shunned and ostracized by the political machine. It's not the lash they fear. It is my divine power that I'm a generous God. I can make you rich beyond all measure. I will make you warlord of all Greece. You will carry my battle standard to the heart of Europa. Your Athenian rivals will kneel at your feet. If you will but kneel at mine. You are generous. As you are. Divine. O king of kings. Such an offer only a madman would refuse. But the, uh, the idea of kneeling, it's, you see, slaughtering all those men of yours has, uh, has left a nasty crack in my leg. So kneeling will be hard for me. February 21, 2022. Tomorrow's an interesting day. It'll be 22222. Two, two, two. Hmm. And, uh, we're here with Richard Bagsby, Lafayette, Indiana. Today started early. What time did you get up, Richard? Five o'clock. Wow, I, I don't do that no more. <laughs> I don't think I ever did. Went to bed at midnight, working on the fundraiser, Call of the Patriots. Um, only the uh, most devoted war elephants are coming tonight. Mm. And then uh, woke up at five o'clock, my nine to five. So good to be here, though. Good to be with you. You're, I can tell just your workhorse, um, and that's what the GOP needs. You know, assuming that uh, the GOP uh, <laughs> is a bunch of war elephants. From what I've been finding out, it there there might be uh, I don't know what are the other animals in the jungle. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna tell you this uh, uh, in in my observation and interpretation, uh, they are indeed elephants. But you have two kind of elephants. Uh, you have the circus elephants. Then you have the war elephants. Uh, we're the war elephants. And we're actually trying to break the circus elephants free uh, if they allow us. But here's the thing about that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, in the words of Harriet Tubman, she said that I freed thousands of slaves, uh, but I could have freed tens of thousands more, but they didn't know. Mr. Nisley, you're live. That was, that was Kurt Nisley interrupting your beautiful metaphor. He is actually <laughs> on his way. Is he? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Can you hear us? Maybe he I can hear somebody. <laughs> uh, I thought you pocket dialed Richard right in the middle of the most fantastic metaphor of war elephants and circus elephants. I was trying to school him, Kurt, on the difference between. Oh, Richard. Richard, oh, yeah. you're oh, on yeah. here? Yes, yeah, sir. I'm oh. on there. How are you? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm everywhere, I Kurt. I thought I was calling Jason. <laughs> you were. You're still calling him. He's on the line. Jason's here? Yeah, I'm just in his podcast right now. Okay. Yes, we are. Okay. My phone says Jason. 
okay, am I really messing up the podcast here? What? Oh no, you you uh, you called in right on time. I was I was kind of giving him a uh, my observation of what kind of elephants the GOP has, and uh, I was explaining to him that there's two kind of elephants. There's the circus elephants, and then there's the war elephants. And with the circus elephants, it's kind of like uh, in the words of Harriet Tubman. Uh, she said that I freed thousands of slaves, but I could have freed tens of thousands more, but they didn't know that they were slaves. So the circus elephants, do, they don't really know that they're circus elephants. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, not my top priority. My top priority is to ensure that we maintain the Constitution. Um, and then we can think about the circus elephants releasing them from their cages. Yep. Mm. That's good. That is good. Well, immediately you say war elephant i'm thinking king xerxes up on his throne right that's the last time i saw an elephant in battle was when i watched the movie 300 Mm -hmm. you know and and xerxes is probably the coolest bad guy ever on on the big screen in in my book yeah well think about it like this uh let's think about the historical connotation of what a war elephant was used for Uh, a war elephant was only brought in when there was a wall of enemies that was nearly impenetrable. And what they trained those war elephants to do is to break the line. That's it. That's all their purpose was, to break the line, break the narrative, break the constant, the status quo, you know, break the quid pro quo agenda, break it. Wow. And then guess what they did after they broke the line? They trampled. That way the line could never be attached again. Wow. So, Kurt, are you still there? Or did that yes, just I like, am. That's, I'm uh, here. That's good stuff. I heard a rumor that you are en route to the Gathering Acres. I, I am actually on the way to Bagsby's event tonight. <laughs> and I finally had the chance to die, uh, get on the phone and call Yeah. <laughs> so we're heading up toward Bagsby's thing. Well, they got to set up in this Gathering Acres, uh, Jason and I, Kurt, inside the groom's oh. suit suite. So we're actually, he's physically here so, with his uh, equipment and everything. Jason is there now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With you physically. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, we'll be there in about one, no, 45 minutes. 45 yeah. minutes to go. 45 minutes. So you drive safe, but let me let me close close your call with another metaphor here. We're in the groom's suite. And when you think about Christ as a bridegroom, right? Now I'm speaking to the church. He is a bridegroom, right? He's a protector of, of the weak. He is a lion over his pride. But this metaphor of marriage and the bridegroom, yeah, you know, the church always preaches about the last day and he comes back and we all go to heaven. What if today was just another 1861 and we've got a long ways off? It's like Christ is emerging as a statesman, right, for his bride. And the bride is going to awaken and see and see that, and they will think, wow, we've been, we've been off that mountain for decades, and uh, that's, that's, my, that's my guy, right? I, I want to be like that Jesus in, in the chambers. I want to, I don't know, I just kind of, people think I'm kind of crazy. I think my mind works kind of crazy. I just, I think my mind just works, period, sometimes, but, <laughs> yeah. So it's a really nice, trendy little room here. It's, you'll see it. It's okay. really handsome. So drive safe. Okay. Well, looking forward to it. We'll see you all in a bit.
All right, Kurt, drive safe. All right, bye. Well, that was a neat little treat. It was. I had no idea he was coming. Oh, you didn't? I guess I should have told you. <laughs> but uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to piggyback off of what you were explaining with Christ and the church. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He's not going to be overbearing. And what the government has done is actually kicked him out of the government. And what the schools have done is kicked him out of the schools. And what society is trying to do is kick him out of society. And that's no problem for him because he gives us free will. But the problem, the real problem is that when tragedy hits, when trauma hits, uh, now we say, where's Christ? Where has he been? We kicked him out. We kicked him out of the, the restaurants. We kicked him out of uh, the church, I may add. In some churches, we've kicked him out of his seat in the church. And we've allowed the government to come and rule and, and, and micromanage us, if you will, and have us forget about who we serve and who we are in Christ, our very existence. And so it is the few uh, and the proud, if I may say, that are trying to uh, step up into the spotlight, if you will, to usher in the spirit of Christ our Lord, to bring him back into the schools uh, and to bring him back into the state house and the legislature, the General Assembly, and allow bills to be passed that has his stamp of approval, uh, in my opinion. So it is fitting that we are in the, broom, the groom's suite the Bible says that um, there will come a time when heaven will be taken by force. And you have to want it. And you know what I always say? Only the diehard will make it. But the problem is a lot of people want to go to heaven, but they're scared to die. A lot of people want to fight for the Constitution, but they're afraid to actually fight. Hmm. Yeah, it's the sunshine patriot. Yeah, you put a gun in their hand, then they're they're stuttering. Yeah. You ask them for help, right? They're stuttering. For volunteering, they're stuttering. But only the diehard will make it. And uh, I hope I hope your listeners remember that. Only the diehard will make it. Those who have been in the trenches, those who have uh experienced their last breath almost you know the brink of breaking um and and we have to be careful who we align ourselves with because if you are one of the diehards but you are with you are linked up with a weak link right a sunshine patriot um that will also break you right uh it's like it's like uh what they used to do back in the biblical times uh one of the punishments for criminals is they would put a dead body on their backs. Yeah, that was one of the punishments back in the day. They'll put a dead body on their back or a leprous person on their back, and it'll it'll begin to eat away at their life as well, and that disease w would spread. That was one of the, the penalties, uh, like a criminal penalty. And when you link yourself up and yoke yourself up uh, with, with people who, are, who do not align with your belief system, 
uh, in such a way where it's detriment to your very life and existence, uh, it can really throw you off. It can throw you off your square. You know, coming into the political realm, we learn that very fast mm-hmm. because what these political uh, agents, right, what they try to do to you is they try to cut you down in your infancy when you're just now coming out. They say things like they said to me, uh, uh we didn't want you to align with those particular people. We don't like the freedom fighter people. And because you align, this is true, because you aligned yourself with, with them, with those people, right? Liberty-minded freedom fighters. That's what the people were that they uh, were, were talking about. Uh, we're not going camp- to finance your campaign. My friends are not going to help you. you know? There will be no glory in your sacrifice. I will erase even the memory of Sparta from the histories. Every piece of Greek parchment shall be burned. Every Greek historian and every scribe shall have their eyes put out and their tongues cut for their mouths. Why, honoring the very name of Sparta or Leonidas will be punishable by death. The world will never know you existed at all. The world will know that free men stood against a tyrant, that few stood against many and before this battle was over that even a god king can bleed and they and they do things like that to dissuade you because really they don't want you there they don't want you there and uh and it's a sad deal it's a sad reality that americans patriot patriotic americans uh, we are shunned and ostracized by the political machine. Uh, but our Constitution, the Indian Constitution, uh, states that its people will reform the government. The people, the governed, gives consent to the government. I mean, I got a, I got a neighbor who's a full-blooded Jeffersonian, right? Mm. Jefferson said that the tree of liberty at times must be refreshed with the blood of the patriots and tyrants. And I'd like to think that if we can get this right, that would not be bloodshed, but it would be blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. You know, when Christ prayed in Gethsemane, mm-hmm. I can't ever say that. When he prayed in the garden, he prayed till tears swelled upon his brow. I I've never prayed like and that. And turn into blood. That's right. I've never prayed like that. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a doer. I'm the guy that wants to get up, nail my checklist. I mean, we're both like spirit-filled people that you could almost say are too spirit-filled for politics, right? We're too much uh, men of faith. We have too much, uh, too much faith for politics, right? Collective bargaining is... It's the norm. We have to collective bargain to get anywhere. But but yet, this is life and death. Mm-hmm. They're dying right now. Mm-hmm. And so collective bargaining, yeah, that if where you build a bridge or where you build a hospital, where do you put the speedway? You know, a permit for an, you know, a, an addition on a house. The, these are collective bargaining things, but some things don't change. And the war elephant, that's... To me, it's abortion, right? I mean, I'll speak for me. If I wanted to put an elephant, you know, 
in that battle to break through a line, it would be that line of GOP members that are collectively bargaining, you know, and writing pro-life legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so deceptive. You know, I, I don't think they get into the, the business with that in mind. Yeah, let's go ahead and, you know, bargain people's lives away. You know, it's like, let's whittle away at this mm-hmm. at this thing. And I, I don't think Christ would have done that. I think he would have walked in the synagogue and he would have said something rather profound and rather offensive. And um, there I go preaching again. No, uh, you're right on. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll back up a little bit. I don't subscribe to uh, the church not being involved in politics. I don't subscribe to preachers and pastors not being involved uh, into politics. Um, Moses was involved in politics when he spoke to the fair, to uh, Pharaoh. Uh, Aaron was involved in politics when he was his his assistant. Uh, Jeremiah or, uh, Nehemiah was in politics when he built the wall. Yeah, he had to deal with the other leaders of different regions. Uh, all throughout the Bible, David was into politics. I mean, this is politics is more of a byword, but when you talk about the the structure of a man and a woman's life or livelihood, uh, the church should be the core of that, of any community. And when I say the church, I don't mean a building of brick and mortar. I'm saying a body of people, Holy Ghost-filled people, uh, who still have an ear to what thus saith the Lord. And there is no no separation uh, between that. And when we got into that whole separation thing, that's when you started to see... Um, abnormal things happen, uh, such as innocent blood being spilled on the land, uh, such as uh, children going into schools shooting it up, uh, such as boys wanting to be girls and girls wanting to be boys. Uh, up was down and down was up, left was right, right right was left. They're trying to divide us on race, divide us on sex, yet they are trying to bridge a gap between right and wrong, good and evil. Uh, that there is no bridge between that, but because we have separated the church and separated uh, God from our lives, uh, now you have abnormalities in the way we live and in the way we think, and so now we have taken God completely out of the equation, and 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 and, and some living wretched, and in their thinking and in their thought process, um, and so. I am not a holier than thou or righteous than thou person, but my the fabric of my existence. You can tear a house down, but it's hard to it's hard to get rid of the foundation. Mm. But that same foundation, you can put another structure on top of that. But when you start to chip away at the foundation, that's when the ground becomes unstable. That's when social constructs be- begin to crumble. And a, and a man and a woman's very existence start to crumble, and a generation could be lost because of that. Everything that I do and everything, even this even this campaign run, is built upon that rock. And it's a mighty rock. When I say war elephants, it's not a, it's not a cliche. It's not something that uh, you know we thought would be a catchy catchphrase. It is a beacon of resistance when it comes to the narrative. Uh, I'm a black man running in a Republican primary 
for a district that is 93% white. But if you listen to what the news and the talking heads would say, um, there's a huge divide in the in race where white people don't like black people, black people don't like white people. But I, I, I would say that I'm fairly known in this district. There's four counties. Um, and... Um, and I've met, I haven't met resistance from the people, but it's actually from the parties, the, the party, the party masters, as I call them, not the slave masters, the party masters. The circus clowns. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the ring, what do they call them? Uh, the, the ring. Uh, Ringleader? Uh, yeah, well, you know, in the circus, they have the one, the one main guy, the one main clown, you know. That kind of makes the lions go through the hoops and all that stuff. So, uh, ringmaster, maybe. I don't know. You're reminding me of college. I was, I came to Fort Wayne in the year 2000, and I took a job. It was like a one-day job. You fill out your, your paperwork, and you go sell cotton candy at the circus in the okay. dark, collect the money and try not to drop it. Yeah. And you bring a wad of cash back. And I think they went to the colleges, the Christian college, because – if you're going to sell cotton candy for cash money, you, you need to know that you know, the candy is going to go to the market and the cash is going to come back into the treasury. So you just you go to a Christian college and just hope that they can count and they have enough you know integrity to... That's really... This, that's all we're asking of the circus clowns. Right, right. right? We, be a war elephant with us. You know, right. Join the ranks of Leonidas 300. Or Stay. Gideon. Yeah. Or Gideon, the original 300. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that's a future book. I'm writing some books. But this is about you tonight. I, so you're a, you're a project manager for commercial construction. Yep. How long have you done that? Um, Over a decade now. Wow. So I've been in construction since uh, I was a teenager. Um, I'm a father of eight. I have two grandchildren, one on the way. Um, licensed real estate agent. Um, uh, a minister at my church, ordained minister at my church, Hold Truth. Um, and so I do a little bit of everything. But you know what? I keep my, I raise my children in such a way where as to always uh, be mindful of what you contribute to the next generation. And always be mindful of that. What are you doing right now that will contribute to the next generation? And so I've taken that uh, rather literally whereas all of my decisions surround, you know, my next generation of children and their families. You know, I look at my six-year-old daughter, and I look at her, and I say, uh, you know, I, I see a six-year-old, but at the same time, I see a great-grandmother. Wow. What is she going to say to her great-grandkids about her father when she remembered him when she was a six-year-old? What are the teachings and the values and the virtues and the moral compass of what, her father ingrained in her that she is now delivering to her great grandchildren when she was six. Man. It's called heritage. And we've lost that. Yeah. We've replaced heritage with economics and and work ethic. Mm. You know, like post World War Two, if you paid the bills and you weren't cheating on your wife, you, you were like some kind of hero. But but look where we're at. Yeah. We're on the precipice. Yeah. The nation is at the precipice. That's the name of this podcast. 
and if you think of you know America, just think of the globe, right? We're this chunk of Earth on the globe, and it's hanging over this cavern, and there's this thin thread going up, mm-hmm. and this thread is just snapping and twisting and popping. It's getting skinnier and skinnier. And what is the GOP, you know, what do they throw at it? Economic policy, you know, growth. Fluff. Fluff. Yeah. That's not legacy. Yeah. yeah. It's not heritage. Yeah. But you know something? Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, I, the government is sitting on top of Christ's shoulders, though. That's biblical. And so I'm not too much worried um, about it snapping. Uh, I want to do my part, though, and save as many as I can. Um, it's kind of like the Titanic. The Titanic was sinking. No one could fix it. No one could patch it. But there's a lot of engineers and a lot of um, construction gurus, if you will, you know, and I'm just equating that to our polit- politicians who think that they can patch the Titanic. No one jump. Everyone stay stay on the ship. Stay on the boat because we can patch it. We can fix it. Here, we'll throw this bill at it. We'll throw that bill at it. I hate to call them incrementalists when it comes to the pro-life movement, but if you're truly pro-life and you're not pushing the ending of abortion, all the rest of it is noise. Um, if you're not pushing defunding Planned Parenthood and, you know, I visited the Matrix facility uh, here in Lafayette. I don't know if you are familiar with that, but they're the opposite of the of Planned Parenthood. Uh, they have a 93% success rate when it comes to abortion-minded women. Um, and so they're they're highly successful. And what they do is they give the uh, woman, uh, the mother, they give her an ultrasound to see her baby. And, and, and it works, you know. But the thing is, it's a crowdfunded thing. I'm not against crowdfunding. I love crowdfunding, and, and it takes the burden away from taxpayers. But why is it that the government will fund Planned Parenthood but not fund something like that, that will actually save babies. It's a corrupt system. That's the iceberg. That's the concept of abortion. We have this big GOP cruise ship heading 100 miles an hour for destruction, and everyone sees this little chunk of ice above mm-hmm. the water, and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's like your social issues. You know, that's your economic policy. That's your minor issues, but all below the waterline is the iceberg. This is the, the massive ice. That's the hemorrhaging. That's the hemorrhaging. And what I mean by that is John Jacob, he put it rather well to me. He said that uh, the issue of abortion compared to other issues is a spiritual endeavor. And he equated it to a man who is being rushed into the ER who has uh, suffered gunshot wounds. And his body is riddled in bullets. He has uh, bullet wounds in the legs and in the arms. He has a couple in his stomach, maybe, a, you know, one or two in his chest, you know. And um, But he also has one that penetrated his, his, uh, his, art, his artery, his main artery, right? And when he gets to the hospital, he asked me the question. He said, what, uh, what do you think they're going to patch first? Put stitches in their his arm first, or they'll take your insurance card first. <laughs> they'll they'll want to know that they'll want to co-pay. Our poli- and that's our that's our politicians. Yeah, that's our elected officials right now. 
They'd rather they'd rather write bills that make fancy band aids to plug a paper cut on your finger when you are bleeding out. Bleeding out. It. You know? I like that analogy. I was actually sharing that very analogy because uh, we talked um, a few we, weeks ago, and we you did. shared that analogy. I did, didn't I? Okay. Okay. And I'm, it, I'm it really old. struck me. <laughs> That's but it's right good. around right around the time I met Tyler Johnson and ER physician. Oh wow. Parkview Hospital. That's something. I don't believe in coincidences. And I have his number here. I feel that that is such a profound analogy that if we at least don't give Tyler a call while he's in that ER, I just think we're missing a great opportunity. Let's just give it a shot. If he picks up, great. If he doesn't, he's working. This is Tyler Johnson. He's running for Senate District 14. Nice. See what happens here. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice. Mm, there you go. The man's working. Yeah. And he's running for office. And he's raising kids. Gotta love it. I can't I can barely homeschool mine and do the podcast. <laughs> you probably got 13 people out here right now that want your attention, uh, that want to coordinate this this dinner, this banquet. Do you want to just share with the listeners um, what's happening tonight here in Lafayette? Yeah, um, what's happening tonight is our big fundraiser event. Uh, we are trying to hit our second phase of fundraising goals uh, tonight. And so we have a couple of good speakers coming in. Daniel Stock, Dr. Dan Stock, and Pastor Micah Beckwith is going to share uh, some remarks with us. Uh, Dr. Stock is actually going to give us a rather uh, detailed presentation on federal government's overreach and how it affects the uh, medical profession. Let's go back before I get off here. We have to obviously let your listeners know why I am running. I'm running as a concerned citizen, concerned father, concerned friend. Uh, in the face of an ever-growing uh, societal shift where up is down and down is up, left is right, right is left. And I can't stand by and watch my children grow up in this atmosphere and in this environment. And so patriots who are willing to walk the line, you know, and hold the line down, uh, and that line meaning the Constitution. We have two great leaders in the state house right now, but it's only two of them, and they need help. And I don't want to stand by like King David's brothers stood by and watch Goliath disrespect God and his people. And so my soul cried out, is there not a cause? And there is a cause. I think everyone should run for some office right now. If you're a patriotic and you have it in your blood, you should be running for an office, let alone forget voting. That's over with. Vote definitely. But the saying that if you didn't vote, you can't uh, you can't complain that that ship has sailed. Now it's if you're not running for an office, you can't complain because these rhinos need taken out. And I yeah. believe I'm just the guy. I'm just the guy to do it. Uh, some of my key issues or things that I'm standing on is uh, pro-life at conception. I believe life is at conception. And you and I actually had a conversation that I really don't believe that. I believe life is before conception, according right. to what God told Jeremiah. Right. You know, Share that uh, verse. Yeah. It's, uh, well, God told Jeremiah that I knew you before conception, you know. And then education, you know, as far as, see, medic, uh, education is, a, that, that's, a, I would say, a two- to three-fold battlefront. 
Whereas we need to protect our children from the social constructs that the school system is trying to feed them. Uh, when you talk about SEL, social emotional learning or critical race theory, um, or 1619 Project. All that does is set them up to have a victim mentality. And um, and it sets them up for failure, you know. And, and we need to put academics back into school uh, and economics back into school and, and, and practical thinking back into school, you know. Teach my kids the general education. And then so that's the educational piece and the mental piece. And then the other piece is... Uh, to ban schools from practicing medical procedures, you know, uh, allow the parents, because we're good at it, uh, allow us to make medical decisions for our child. If we want our child to wear a mask in school, then guess what? They'll wear a mask. If they're not, if, if, if we don't see it necessary for them to wear a mask, that's our prerogative. Leave my child alone. If you want to give my child a Tylenol, that should be ran through me, period. The Second Amendment. I'm not just pro-life. I'm constitutional carry pro-life. Whereas I should not have to ask the government for permission to to uh, give me a license to carry a firearm. That's my right to defend myself with a firearm, um, according to the Constitution and according to the Indiana Constitution, uh, first article, section 32, and so. My next issue, though, is rather an ambitious one, um, as my peers would say and as my consultants so the, would say. So the, so the main thing, the business as usual, is getting abortion done. Well, oh. well uh, the main thing is, in my opinion, the main thing is um, pro-life at conception and recognizing that there is a baby in the womb at conception, a human in the womb at conception, and, and then education to protect our child, our children's minds in the school system. And with that, medical freedom, okay? Uh, and then constitutional carry, getting that passed where, where we are constitutional uh, law-abiding citizens, you know? Um, and, then, and then after that, like I said, very ambitious is um, prioritizing small business, over corporate greed, corporate interest, um, because we have too many politicians that are accepting massive amounts of money and being bought and paid for by these corporations, which is why you've seen in the uh, the big lockdown, right? They locked everyone down, but you've seen that the big corporations were still uh, activated, right? While the mom and pop shops were closing down, right? And then you had pastors getting arrested because they they uh, would not close their church down. Um, That's right. Protest to the mandates, right? Michigan but had uh, lockdowns, of course. Mm -hmm. Twenty twenty, you oh had yeah. you had oh abortion yeah. clinics. You yeah. had protesters out in the streets. These guys were accosted by police, told they had to leave. Yep. And these guys were the Gideonites standing out there saying, yep. "Hey, we are going to, uh, we'll stand in the gap for this for this child." And we we put police in the streets with masks to stop a citizen from just persuading another citizen from. From doing this deed, but like you said, a Home Depot, mm -hmm. it's Walmart. cracking. Walmart's cracking. Mm -hmm. All uh, of them. everything, all of them, and uh, and so we. I want to prioritize. You know, I want to prioritize them in such a way where we lower their taxes. How about that? Yeah, let's incentivize the small business 
to grow, right? Um, and then, and then after that, which is very ambitious, is our retirees, our our elderly, taking care of them. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, the cliche uh, Medicaid. And I'm not talking about that. You know, I'll let the I'll let the career politicians deal with that. But what I'm saying is to uh, lower or even eliminate their property taxes. Why are they paying property taxes on a house they've already paid for 30 years ago? Mm. Think about that. Why are they paying taxes on their Social Security that they worked for all those years they're still paying taxes on? Death tax, too. Death tax, inheritance tax, all of that. Let's let's either either lower it or eliminate it. Now I'm always for eliminating it. You yeah, know? but let's ha- let's have the conversation. You know, we have retirees that are on fixed incomes. Yeah, yet they're being taxed. You know, um, and and so they're getting taxed to death, literally. And I think we should. I think that's something at least worth having the conversation and seeing what we can do to, like I said, either lower it or eliminate it altogether. Um, election integrity. We are a superpower. We are a very advanced technological country. Uh, we should not have issues in our uh, election process. It should be a cut and dry thing. Um, and, and, and so, and really, you know, you could put, and you could put either one of those um wherever you want to put them. But uh, that's just to name a few of the things that I'm running for um, and allowing, uh, I want District 41. My goal for District 41 uh, with the people's consent is to make us a beacon for the Patriot movement. Whereas at least in this district, we become an example. And even if, even if I lose in battle, in the state house, when it comes to bills or, or passing laws, at least it's a consistent that I'm voting against anything that's unconstitutional. I have a three formula process too of making decisions. Number one, does it align with the Indiana and U.S. Constitution? Number two, does it infringe on the individual rights and liberties of a single person? Number three. Is it a burden on the taxpayers? And if a bill fits those those three descriptions, then we can talk about them. But if they don't meet one of those standards, just one, there's nothing to talk about. Three. It's a trinity. You could boil that down to the famous uh, life, liberty, and happiness. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can take it. You know, got to get born. You got to pay tax as little as possible. To furnish yourself and your future and your posterity. Uh, the freedom of conscience to go to church, take a jab or not take the jab. Yeah, either or. And the happiness. Hey, yep. I'm a little happier when I have extra money. In the right. Bank. I'm a little happy. Life, liberty, happiness. That's right. Why did we get off course? How We know why we got off course because we didn't run. Like you said, the, the ship has sailed on the whole get to the polls and vote. We got to run for office, and you're seeing a wave. I've I watched seven hearings last week, seven election hearings, just on candidacy legitimacy. It's a battle before the battle. We got to break through the wall, run for office, and stop fighting over the stupidest little things. I'm at the point where, if you are like, this may sound absurd, but 
I don't think God even cares if you're even necessarily Christian. If a Muslim walks in here and says, I will end abortion, I'll take it. If a Jew comes in here and says, I'll end abortion, I'll take it. I mean, these are two monotheistic faiths that don't have abortion laws. Mm-hmm. You can't kill kids in some of these foreign nations. Ezekiel said that, Israel, you have violated the law worse than the Gentiles. You are more unruly than the people around you. Mm-hmm. If God sends me an oil sheik and drops $2 million uh, on an abortion, end abortion pack, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to try to end abortion. Now, I'm not saying... I'll go to the mosque and 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 pray with him and right and right, you know right, I'm not right. I'm talking Chrislam, right? I'm saying right. if we can just get the babies born, if we can release the womb, just if the womb is is like you talk about the battle elephant. Think of Thermopylae, right? This narrow passage of life and death. If if the enemy gets through here, we're done, right? So here's the three hundred standing here. Think of that as like that's the vaginal delivery. You got to protect that. You know, the last bone that the, ba- that the baby passes across is the sacrum bone. And the sacrum derives from the word sacred. And if we don't understand that life is sacred, I don't want to hear about your economics. I mean, that's yeah, me. I, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm speaking not, for myself. Uh, yeah, 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 and I'm, I'm not running right now. You know, it's just. But God can use anybody and he can use anything. Amen. Um, he used Xerxes or he used uh, Cyrus. Yeah, he would have right. been like your Muslim guy back then. Well, he used a lot. He used a lot of uh, different kings. Um, look at Nehemiah. You know, he had to go to the he had to go to the king to get permission to go build the walls. You know, of Jerusalem back up. And so, uh, uh, Balaam. That's right, prophet for hire. You know, God used uh, Balaam's donkey to to bring awareness to him. Like, hey, there's an angel that's getting ready to kill you and me. You know, why are you steady hitting on me? You know, God used that donkey to to to, uh, <laughs> to to give him that message. So if a, if God can use a donkey, I think He can use anything. You know, so that's a uh, democratic mascot, right? The donkey. Oh, I guess so. So elephants and donkeys. God can use the donkey Democrat, and He can use that circus elephant. But He does. He uses He uses all things. Yes. You know why? Because He's created all things. They're all His. Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, we are the manifestation of his invisible attributes, you know. So when you look at a, when you look at some young kid walking down the street with a mask on, God loves that person as much as the most experienced, most articulate, most tenured statesman or college professor. He sees the same human life, and without knowledge, people perish. Mm-hmm. And so we, we do need knowledge. We have to know that constitution. Uh, we but, talked about knowledge. Mm-hmm. But understand, um, you know, you have to be called for this. You can't just volunteer. You know, God will call you. You can't volunteer to, to be a part of the Army. Um, and, and, yes, we did talk about knowledge, whereas the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says that, that my people perish due to the lack of knowledge. You know, um, and so uh, do they indeed perish because they have a lack of fear of the Lord? No. So with that being said, let me get off of here. Okay. I think we have some people. Guests are arriving. Oh, yeah. And and this is not live, right? No, sir. Oh, okay. I was going to say if it's. 
if it is live, everybody needs to come down and get some barbecue. So. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, God bless you, sir, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Good night. Good night. This is Sparta!